Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Preach the Peach. I'm Sage. And I'm Alyssa. And we're the co-founders of Peach Pack, an online community that is having pretty radical conversations about womanhood. We're bringing late night sleepover chats from behind closed doors straight to your ears. On this week's episode, we are speaking about all things bisexuality with Alyssa's cousin, Belle. Belle is a talented musician and queer icon. We could harp on for ages about her beautiful music and her fierce, introspective and empowering lyrics. Our conversation with Belle focuses on bisexual legitimacy and also touches on the complexity surrounding bi-curiosity, bi-erasure and a whole lot more. We learnt so much from this conversation and hope you do too. Enjoy. So I think you should introduce our special guest because she's your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be speaking with Belle, who is actually my third cousin, which I know sounds distant to people, but... My papa and her grandmother, a brother and sister. And I think that's really like a close connection. Um, But today we're going to be talking to her about her sexuality and just her experience, I guess, like growing up versus like her powerful embodied self now and everything Mm -hmm. you've learned along the way. But I guess to kick things off, we're going to do our little pick a word. Ooh. So basically this segment is you pick a word out of the bowl. Okay. And then you have to think about how to apply this word. What is it to like the context of the, the pod- podcast? Okay. But then like for the rest of the day, like this All is right. your word. Love that. This, this is, is your word. word. Yep. Oh, so if you get like a bad one. <laughs> wow. That's, that's actually quite something. Self-reliant. <laughs> Self-reliant? Self-reliant. I'm pretty sure that's what it says. Great. (laughs) We can double check if you want. (laughs) No, yep. Can confirm. Can confirm. (laughs) Self-reliant. Wait. Okay, so. I like that. Mm -hmm. Wait, but guys, what does self-reliant? I don't get that. What that means? Yeah, like how we, I don't get that What do you think when you see self-reliant? For me, when I see that word, and I did an interview this morning for this festival um, that's tonight, and the word that came up was um like being able to do it all mm. so being self-reliant as a creative mm. as a woman as an artist being able to like Reliant. put my hand mm. into every single aspect of the art mm. how I don't need anyone else how I don't need anything from anyone to do what I do mm. yeah like you're fully capable of doing absolutely it. so yeah. self being self-reliant is like a really pertinent word for me personally yeah. because I've always prided myself on that mm. so that's quite that's wow. actually quite something the fact yeah. that you picked that there's yeah. a lot of words in yeah. there 
Wow. Wait, I kind of want to now take this word and run with it because we were having a little discussion before this and I mean, you don't have to go into full detail, Mm -hmm. but maybe do you want to talk a bit about your growing up and Mm -hmm. your family and how you feel like you've kind of taken your own path? Mm. Um, Yeah, maybe give our listeners a bit more insight into like who you are. Easy. Well, um, I grew up in a fairly conservative Jewish household. Both my parents are medical specialists and my three siblings are lawyers and business people. Mm. So very one directional, very academic um, and very specific. My grandparents were doctors as well, or one mm. of my, my grandparents. Um, so going down that kind of route was expected of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always have been very um, capable. I was always a good student. I was very interested when I was younger in doing medicine, but I was also deeply drawn to everything creative, whether it was like sewing or art or Mm. particularly poetry. That was kind of from like the age of five years old was my thing. Mm. Um, And I never sang in public, so I didn't even know I could sing Mm. until I was about 14. Um, and I was – but I've always been very realistic. I've always been a realist. So I, I would say to myself when I was younger, if, you know, despite the fact that I knew I wanted to be an artist, mm. I would say, well, that's not practical. It's mm. one in a million. It's not going to happen for you, Belle. Mm. Choose something practical. Mm. Because I always wanted to be self-reliant mm, yeah. and I always wanted to be my own boss. My mum always said to me, Isabel, be your own boss. Mm. Do not work for anyone. So I'm like, all right, well, if I become a doctor, I'll be self-reliant. I'll be able to have a nice income, support myself and not depend on anybody. But when I was 16, a few random things happened and I was catapulted into LA Mm. when I was young. And how old are you? I was 16. Okay. So I was taken out of school to LA for an immersion in the industry. And they wanted to sign me to like a big global record company. I was taken to every major label, studio, whatever. Um, But then I came back to the concept of self-reliance and I'm like, well, how good will I be and what rights will I have if I haven't finished school and I signed to Mm. you guys a major record label at 16 years old without actually being able to produce a song direct a music video, style Mm. it, curate it, edit it. What good am I going to be? I'm going to have no rights. Mm. So I threw it all in the toilet and went back to Australia and finished school. That's that's a true story. You had that degree of, yeah. Self-awareness. I actually said to the head of the record label, and I'm not going to name the label, but it was one of the biggest in America, um, I gave him like one of my songs and he loved it. And he was like, the only thing I'm going to say is that your lyrics are too intelligent. They're Mm. too smart. Most people... I'm not going to get it. And mm. I actually said, I was like, fuck you. And, left. <laughs> and my representative at the time was like, you blew it. And I'm like, well, he's an idiot. Yeah. As if saying yeah. to someone, this is too smart. This for is me. too smart. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm going to sign to you. So, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, I'm like, well, where would I be now if I took that opportunity? Maybe mm. I'd be in a very different position career wise, but then mm. I would also have no rights. So, mm. um, do yeah. you have any regrets with that decision? Um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's as simple as yes, I do or no, I don't. Um, for me, I've always been very goal oriented and success driven. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the way that I've been brought up. My mm-hmm. parents 
have not modelled failure. Yeah. They're both highly successful in their careers. Mm. My siblings are all extremely successful in their careers. Mm. So the idea of failure for me is so much more personal than, um, than well, you've done it or you haven't. It is to the core. It's mm. self-worth related. Mm. So the regrets that I have will maybe if I did take that opportunity – I would have a Grammy by now. <laughs> but Or two. Or two. Mm, yeah. But I would probably have no rights. Mm. I wouldn't be able to say that um, I went back home and finished school and did extremely well. Mm. I also wouldn't be able to say that I have the ability to write music, to produce music on my mm. own, to mix that music, to yeah. style music videos, to curate them, to direct them, mm. and now design fashion and digital fashion with mechanical royalties. Yeah. So I wouldn't be able to say that I could do any of those things that I now do yeah. that are bringing such a diverse array of opportunity into my life outside of songwriting itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Like pros and cons either way. Pros like, and cons, I would say that the pros of my decision outweigh the cons yeah. for sure, despite the fact that I sometimes get really down on myself that I'm 25 and not where I thought I would be. Yeah. But I'm also in a pretty good spot. So. Yeah. No, I think that's so relatable to mm. a lot of people. And refreshing to hear, I think. the well, artists don't talk about it. Yeah, mm. the authenticity they around like about it. it's okay. And you know what? Even people who you would probably think have made it, Mm-hmm. who were 25 and, you know, mm-hmm. had all these successful careers, mm-hmm. they uh, – imposter syndrome is just such it's a such reality a and it's mm-hmm. like even when you've made it, you probably feel like you haven't made it. Absolutely. Um, and it's kind of – yeah, I'm trying to like rewire Your brain. my brain mm-hmm. to be like, well, what is success? Absolutely. Because um, our community's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> at you at know, the end of the day, we do come from a particular community. Yeah. That is so success driven. Yeah, it's crazy. And there's a lot of wealth and there's a lot of prestige and there's a lot of expectation. Mm-hmm. And it is crippling for youth. I know it crippled me. Mm-hmm. A lot of the issues that I faced as a teenager were because of this pressure. Mm-hmm. And it was easier to, you know, in, infantilize myself or mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that, in, infantilize? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. Infant, yeah. Basically, like re- retort into mm-hmm. being a child to escape those pressures. Yeah. And it needs to change. It fucking does. And I think like the fact that you made the choice to kind of do something that you love and something that you're passionate about and that brings you joy as opposed to going down that traditional trajectory Mm. that was Mm. expected expected of you. Mm. I think for a lot of people that is, you know, it just shows that there's Mm. an alternative Absolutely. And you can be happy and like – my immediate family have always been so supportive. It was mm. the wider community at large that were not. Mm. Um, and that gave me a lot of hell for it. We have the tea on that. But yeah, yeah that can be, that that can can be, be another. another. <laughs> but I guess like bringing it back to your experience yeah. as a 16-year-old, specifically with respect to how you related to your sexuality yep. at the time. And I guess like over the years how you think that's kind of evolved um, because I think there are a lot of like younger people who do tune into this podcast mm. and would be contemplating a lot of things. And I know like we've kind of loosely spoken about yeah. it in person and I think you just have a lot of, um, yeah, there's so much relatability in your story and your experience mm. with your sexual identity that I think is important to shed light on. Thank you. Well, my story is definitely not unique. Mm, it's definitely exactly. not unique. Mm. Um, 
And what you hear a lot of with people that are bi or pan or queer or gay or trans or whatever it is, is that they knew from an early age. Mm. That was not the case with me. Mm. I had no idea, truly no idea. I, I remember so like the memory that comes to mind is going to the Australian Open with my mom when I was young mm. and I would always comment like, look at that hot tennis player's biceps. Like, <laughs> you know, like I thought that I was the straightest person in the world, whatever mm. that means. I had no idea. Mm. Um, and I think from, from what I've heard that that's actually quite common mm. and I think what deters a lot of people away from exploring their sexuality is the fact that they think they're illegitimate because they didn't know from an early age. Mm. I certainly didn't. But looking back, like I thought that I had like friend crushes on certain people, particularly it was like older um older women mm. when I was a teenager. Like mm. there was one teacher at school. I know exactly who I you're know. about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, we won't name her highness. Um, but, but we know. Is this a student teacher fantasy I'm about no, to No, this hear? isn't it. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But at the time, right, I thought that I just like admired her grace mm. and admired her power <laughs> as, a, you know, as, a, as a powerful older woman where in reality, I don't know if I can say this, mm. but I really just wanted to fuck her but I didn't know I didn't <laughs> know crap. that at the time yeah. I thought I was just so inspired by her power mm. and I always have always related more to people that were older than me now that I'm 25 it's different I feel like other people have kind of caught up mm. in regards to maturity but at the time when you're 16 I looked at her and I was like you are so inspiring but yeah in mm. reality I just had the hots for her yeah, yeah. um but it took me a long time to realize that. Mm. And for me, it was like a light bulb situation. I think I was 19 or 20. I'd only dated men. I'd only had boyfriends. Mm. And I was at one of my best friend's birthday parties. I think it was her 20th birthday. And her cousin was there. And my friend was like to me, by the way, my cousin, um, she's bisexual. And it was like, a, I'm not even joking, a light bulb went off. Mm. And I'm, because I'd never heard the word really spoken about. I had mm. all straight friends at the time. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. And I, and I took my friend and I was like, I think I'm bisexual. Mm. And I'd never thought about a woman before. I'd never mm. fantasized about a woman before. I'd never kissed a woman before. Nothing. Mm. And then I went up to this friend's cousin and was like, I need to know everything about yeah. your experience. And then after that conversation, it took me about a year or two to actually go on my first date with a girl. So mm. when I went on my first date with a girl, I was about 22 mm. because I was dealing with so much um, like insecurity and I wasn't sure if it was just something I wanted to explore or if it was real. Mm. Um, yeah. It's quite interesting like what you said about delegitimizing your sexuality because you didn't feel it from a young age. Yeah. But it's like we don't have those expectations in other contexts. Like Absolutely. people only realize, you know, their career goals or like what they want to do with their life much later on. And we don't mm. question that. It's like just because, you know, I I don't know, just because Alyssa's decided to study law mm. now, mm. we don't question that because it wasn't something she wanted to do since she was six Absolutely. years old. Mm. But like sexuality, it's like, well, if you haven't been fantasizing about, you know, 
girls since you were a little girl like are you really mm. truly inherently gay like Absolutely. or and bisexual there's a, and there's a reason for that and the reason is that we are born um or there's an expectation that we are born with mm. a default setting of straight mm. and that anything other than that is a deviation from that norm mm-hmm. yeah. so if we were born and we were told from a young age that we are anything I think it would make it a lot easier for young people to realize these things earlier. Mm. Yeah. I think what we're lacking is to accept the ability that like people can change and fluidity. Exactly. Mm. That, you know, your sexuality can be fluid and, and believe is- it or not, make a choice. Mm. There actually is choice in the matter. Mm. And that's something that mm. people fail to admit. But I can tell you firsthand that if someone wants to be open to love and open to receiving love, you can make a choice. Like who that person is. Absolutely. And I think that it's an interesting note to kind of segue into this next conversation, this next question rather, (laughs) about, I don't know, as of recently, we've had a lot of conversations with our friends around, you know, exploring things and really challenging a binary that's been imposed Mm. on us from a very young age. Um, And I think often people throw around this term like by curiosity Mm. or having experiences, um, you know, it could be a night out and Mm. you decide to do something. But I read an interesting article where it was like the term by curiosity or likening bisexuality to these like experimental experiences Mm. is a bit like reductive. Mm. So I wanted to know what your take is on that, you know, having friends that maybe do want to explore. Do you think there's something like inherently harmful in then not seeing it as a legitimate sexual identity? Yeah. No, I I know what you're saying. And and my immediate response to this is so much more complex Mm. than you'd think because there is absolutely nothing wrong with being bi-curious because bi-curiosity is a precursor to either being bisexual or pansexual or gay or whatever it is once upon a time I was bi-curious or what what we really should be saying is 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 curious and um, I wasn't sure and I remember the first date that I went on with a girl I said to her I have no idea how I feel or what I'm going to feel. I'm just letting you know, like I could be straight and I want to be upfront, which leads me to a very, very important point that if there are people that are listening that are curious about, um, you know, exploring a same sex relationship or sexual experience, communication, communicate to that person that you are scared Mm -hmm. and that this may not be for you and you will either love it or you won't. And, um, or, or even in between, you might have, you might be scared that there might be some trepidation, but Mm. communication is the best way through because if you go into this experience and you're dishonest, the issue that can arise is that the other party feels used Mm. and feels like they were just a toy for someone else's experimentation. Mm. And I've been on both ends of the, um, of the stick. I've, when I was at the start, I didn't know that you had to communicate. Um, so, you know, I tried my best, but it was hard. And then I've been on the other end where I've been on dates with girls and they've not communicated this. And then they've come back with anxiety and fear about who they are um, for whatever reasons, either 
because um, they think they're straight or they have internalized homophobia, which is a massive thing for bisexual girls. I actually, the the biggest heartbreak that I've ever had was with someone, um, and I'm still not sure what the truth is, is that she didn't want to admit to herself that she was either bi or gay Mm. or that she just was straight. Um, Yeah. For people that maybe like don't know what internalized homophobia mm -hmm. is, do you want to quickly? Yes, this is really important. So internalized homophobia can refer to any sexual orientation or gender identity. Mm. Um, So basically what it means is that Instead of other people telling you that there's something wrong with you or wrong with your sexuality or gender identity, mm. it's you're actually self-gaslighting. Mm. So you're telling yourself that it's not okay. Mm. You're telling yourself that there's something inherently wrong with who you are and you will make excuses for yourself. Mm. You will create any reason to, um, you know, fight against this mm. this sense of who you are. Um, so one example for bisexual girls that arises a lot is, well, because I'm bisexual, I will just choose a man because it's easier. Mm. If I like both, then why wouldn't I just choose a man? Mm. I can have children naturally. Society won't judge me. Mm. It's easier, Mm. which is for me the biggest shame. Yeah. I know so many bisexual girls, mm. truly bisexual, not bi curious, bisexual, who have lost great loves because of this. Mm. And it's because of internalized homophobia as well as societal pressure. Mm. Massive one. A lot of the time, people don't realize how internalized homophobia is playing with them because it exists so subtly within our Absolutely. society that they don't realize that it's it's having a impact on them but then they make decisions mm. that reject such a big part of them just so that they, they can fit in exactly. most people with internalized homophobia will deny the fact they have it in the first place and that's mm. the nature of the beast it's like a mental disorder where you're in denial or an addiction mm. um where you will make any excuse under the sun to say that that's not you mm. it's almost like i'm thinking about how it manifests like you know in conversations we have or even like larger friendship group when you explore something or you you see someone in a light kind of like you were speaking about you know the hottie teacher mm. and you reduce it to you know like a cute little crush mm. because of the fear of admitting to yourself actually like maybe I am really sexually attracted to mm. women maybe there is a part of me that actually really wants to explore that and mm. like play into that mm. But because of internalized homophobia, it's like, and what that means, like broader structure, like how am I going to mesh into, you know, the fabric of society? Like it really holds a lot of people back, which I think, you know, yeah, we're in 2021 and the fact that it's still an issue is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know someone who I went on a date with um, and all of her friends knew that she was bisexual all of her relatives, but the only two people that had no idea were her parents. Mm. And the sole reason why she still has to this day has not come out to them is because of her parents. And it's like, there are so many obstacles that queer people face 
not only in society but just personally in their mm. own lives and in, in the fabrics of their own existence. And if we could remove some of these barriers, I think it would be a lot easier for bisexual women to not just do what society expects of them and that's to choose man. Mm. It's, you know, it takes bravery to like, you know, just be who you are yeah um in a in a heterosexual world mm. um my leg is quivering okay? <laughs> i don't know what are you uncomfy i'm like my something what is it like your coccyx maybe it's something, on your side. something something oh, something's not meshy the sound <laughs> body is like we're sitting on the floor i wanted to know have you had any experience with you know, maybe it's a comment about bisexual invisibi- invisibility yes. or bi-erasure. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So this is a massive one. Um, so in the LGBTQIA+, people often forget the B um, because – and there's actually some major issues within the LGBT community regarding bisexuals. So – lesbians or gays and I don't want to speak for everyone here so I just want to say that out but Mm. it's I've even experienced this lesbians basically will often say they do not want to date a bisexual because there's a risk that they'll go back to a man and men often do not want to date a bisexual woman because they're Mm. scared and threatened of other women um which is absolutely insane Mm. and on one hand you're either viewed as confused Mm. that you're either a gay in the closet or you're straight and just having an experimental phase or on the other hand that you're greedy and Mm. that you like to um have the best of both worlds when really that's not what you want so you can't actually win Mm. um there's very few people out there in in, and this includes within the LGBT community that view bisexuality as real. And this particularly extends to men. Bisexual men actually have it far worse than bisexual um, women because bisexual men are automatically viewed as gay. Mm. Automatically. Yeah. Whereas bisexual That's women so are viewed as, as, well, yeah, viewed as automatically straight mm. or confused. Mm. Yeah, I'm just, like, listening to conversations I've had with, like, my parents are the most progressive. Mm. They have a son who's gay Mm. and has been, like, the most supportive. Mm. But I think we have had conversations about bisexuality Mm. and it's really hard for them to grapple with because they're Mm. like, what do you mean? Like, aren't you just gay or straight? And totally That's exactly what my dad said. Yeah, and, like, I totally get the whole specifically for for men. Mm. It's like... Well, if they're getting with guys, that means they're gay. Gay, which is so not true. <laughs> so yeah. not, it's so not true. And it's funny that you mentioned that story because I think – so my oldest half-sibling is a lesbian mm. and it was very easy for my dad to understand that because it was black and white. It was yes or no. It was this or that. Mm. With me, he refused to accept – that I was bisexual, he said to me, and I love him. He's the most supportive human in the world. He adores my partner. He's the best. Mm. But he found it hard to understand. He said to me, well, you're either in the closet or you are straight and confused. Mm. And it was funny because he's a medical specialist. It took Mm. him reading scientific literature (laughs) on bisexuality in the animal kingdom for him to um, be like, okay, science confirms bisexuality exists. And then he was like all for it. Um, which oh, is absolutely God. ridiculous, but that's what happened. <laughs> wow. Um, so that's crazy. It's very people are very black and white, mm. whereas sexuality is a spectrum. You can yeah. you can be bisexual and 
prefer being with women like 70, 80% and men, the 20 or 10%, you're still mm. bisexual mm. or pansexual. Mm. Like it's and such a spectrum. Do you think the way the media and porn has depicted lesbianism and female sexuality, that that has impacted its legitimacy? Like, do you think that the fact that straight men, you know, obsess over lesbian porn and so much of it is created for the male gaze, that it has then impacted the way society views lesbianism as a means of a performance, you know, rather than something that is a legitimate sexual orientation? Yes. So I, I totally get what you're saying and I'm and I'm just going to make it clear as well that this sexualization tends to not happen with lesbians that present as and I'm doing I don't you guys can't see this in the Quote. podcast but I'm doing the quotation marks <laughs> yeah. as butch or as more masculine presenting. Mm. This sexualization happens with femme presenting um lesbians or bisexuals. So Myself, my partner, Carly, who is female, we are both femme presenting, mm. um, whatever that means. Mm. And that's when sexualization tends to occur. Mm. Both of us are bisexual, mm. but we're in a same-sex relationship. That doesn't make us straight and it doesn't make us gay. We just love each other. Mm-hmm. But because we are both femme presenting and my previous partners that have been women have also been extremely femme presenting the sexualization that we receive is extreme because men think that when they see a femme presenting woman they assume straight and how can they insert themselves into the situation mm-hmm. how so they 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 can't bear to see a place where they're not needed <laughs> and that's what it comes down no, to no, yeah. so they will try and insert themselves into the narrative and make it about them when they're not desired and the reality is that the perception of lesbians in the media is very butch they're not going to you know cis men are not going to insert themselves into that type of situation mm. because society knows okay lesbian equals butch which is also not true mm. i know a million and one extremely femme lesbians mm. um who are you know absolutely as gay as they come yeah but when yeah when men see two women that are femme they want to see how they can insert themselves into that story and make it about them yeah fully. and my god the stories i have Wait, share us like maybe a little because I feel like it's we were talking about this before around like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the hypersexualization of like women in general, but Mm -hmm. then bring that into the dynamic of a relationship. Mm. And it's like men can't because they've only seen it probably. Well, this is a huge generalization, but because porn and pop culture depicts it in a very particular light, Mm -hmm. that's how they relate to it. Absolutely. So it's like it's quite restrictive. There's very little respect. Mm. Mm you know these um you know cis men often if they're watching lesbian porn they're viewing it from the male gaze and it's very much about their needs and not the woman so when they go into a real life setting again that same mentality is coming out um Mm. and it's often in a savior complex so an example of this is um a previous partner that i was with um who was very Again, very femme presenting, Mm. absolutely beautiful. Um, We were both dressed up. We're having a gorgeous night, just Mm. the two of us. And um, uh, two different men came over to us. One was the owner of the restaurant Mm. and two was just a stranger. And they offered us several rounds of free drinks, um, um, sent us like free plates of food. We're at a Japanese restaurant, so Mm. they sent us sushi and all of this stuff. Um, basically as a way to assert their power and control over us. And then Mm. 
we were just like, sure, whatever. But then it f- was followed up as we were leaving with, what are you guys doing later tonight? Mm. And the amount of times this has happened, I cannot even count. Mm. It's insane that this mm, happens, yeah. but it does. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, like, would that happen with any other couple, like a heterosexual no, couple? No, it wouldn't. Or a gay couple that were two men? Like, um, I, I mean, I definitely don't want to speak for everyone here, but um, I would say that femme presenting women would probably experience this the most mm. just because it's so unusual mm. to to see mm. um because it isn't portrayed enough yeah and it and it should be and again a lot of bisexual women they choose men because mm. it's easier so we're kind of underrepresented mm. in general yeah. yeah um so it's yeah it's mm. kind of kind of strange mm. in saying well, that do you feel like in terms of your sexual identity, do you feel like you need to say that you're bisexual? Like, and when you're in a relationship, so you're right now in a relationship with a girl, mm-hmm. Carly, mm-hmm. do you feel like you need to tell your friends, family, the world that you identify as bisexual? That's a really interesting question. And and the answer that I'm going to give is yes, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is that you never know how someone's going to react. Mm. You never know who's going to be homophobic or have religious views. You just don't know. And that's a reality that anyone that's part of the queer community um, or is facing, you know, a gender identity um, like issue or change or whatever it is has to grapple with. Um, so for me, I find it important to mention as sometimes um, for safety mm-hmm. to, to kind of suss someone. For example, um, you know, in, in a workplace that I used to work at, um, a new person started and down the line as I got a bit comfortable, I shared this part of myself with them just to kind of gauge their reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were lovely and supportive. Um, but I think... I feel also very protective of my sexuality Mm. and I don't want anyone to hurt it. Um, And I'm also very, I'm very proud, you know, I'm Mm. very proud of the relationship that I have because it has a lot more integrity and love and passion to it than, you know, a lot of heterosexual relationships that people fall into out of ease or Mm. comfort or whatever it is. So it's also something I'm not ashamed Mm. to share, but it can be very, very scary, particularly with older generations. Mm. Um, And that's something that I'm probably going to have to deal with for the rest of my life Mm. because Carly undoubtedly is the person that I'm going to marry. So, like, (laughs) so... But I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to kind of take it on. Mm. Yeah, because I guess as well in asking that question, do you have bi friends Mm. who when they're in a relationship with a girl Mm -hmm. claim that they're lesbian and then if they're dating a boy claim that they're heterosexual or do you think Uh, no I I don't I think I think for a lot of the bisexual female friends that I have when they're in a relationship with a man or a woman, they're kind of just immersed in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I have one friend that comes to mind that 
um, for the past like six, seven years has only dated women, but now is in a lovely relationship with a man and they've been mm. together for over a year and they're very happy. Mm. And um, she's just focused on being the best partner that she can be for him. Mm. And similarly, when I, you know, was with my ex-boyfriend, I just focused on being the best partner for him as well, yeah. like mm. I'm doing now for Carly. So... I think that it's really important for bisexual women, particularly if they're in relationships with men, mm. to teach them and educate them and help them um, understand that this is a very legitimate part of who they are and it's yeah. not mm. to be squashed, it's not to be silenced and it's not to be sexualized. Mm-hmm. That I think is really, really important similarly if a bisexual woman was with a lesbian woman mm. it would be very important for that you know that gay woman to identify the fact that you know that her girlfriend um was not gay that mm-hmm. she is allowed to be bisexual and it doesn't make her any less of a great partner yeah so it works on both ends yeah i feel like that's a really powerful kind of send off but i do have like I guess one last question around, obviously you have these learnings now, but Mm. you know, when you were 15, 16 and had very like rigid ideas of what a partner, like a sexual partner looked like, Mm. um, I guess in hindsight, like looking back to that, like 15, 16 year old self, what do you wish like you were told at that time? Obviously, so, so many things things. could have been said. So many things. I wish education was different, first Mm. and foremost. I wish that we were taught from a young age that our our default point is not straight. Our default Mm. point is free. And then we have the right to choose whatever Mm -hmm. we are or wherever we sit on that spectrum. Mm. Like I said earlier, it can can swing like a pendulum all the time. It can change. You can change your mind. Mm. That percentage of what you're preferring at that time or whatever that can change as Mm. often as you like it to you don't have to be put into a box which is why for me I use the the label more for other people as either bi or queer because I don't feel like I have to box myself that way um but the biggest thing that I would say to young people is um to not fight their curiosity and to not fight their fear because something extremely rewarding is on the other end and there is nothing more priceless than exploring who you are and finding out who you are as a young person because I'm telling you now it gives you so much strength and so much wisdom and so much resilience going into your you know the later years of your life it's such a brave thing to challenge the norm not many people have the guts to do it but if you do do it i'm telling you your resilience levels go through the roof and it can be also don't view it as a um, as a pressure as a weight view it as something freeing and exciting you're not tied down to anything you don't have to stick to anything go and try things go and experience things you always have the choice at the end of the day. You always have a choice. Mm. So just let go of pressure. Aww. I love that. I love that. <laughs> also, we read in that, that article in the US, apparently, mm. like more than half of Gen Zers, mm. so people aged like 13 to 20 or something, mm. don't identify as heterosexual. Mm. So I think you'll be speaking to a lot of people And it's great that, yeah, we can have someone like you to tell your story and to give people that that confidence Mm. um, in being able to 
choose and yeah mm, challenge the norm and I mean again I just want to say again like my story is one of absolutely millions and millions Mm. out there my story is not unique my story is not special but I think that's really interesting about that statistic because with all of this increased information um what people are realizing is that yeah we are not born straight we are born with the right to choose Mm. and that's why those statistics are changing because people are feeling more comfortable to explore from a young age Mm. um, as opposed to being boxed into something before they even have the chance to know Mm. so that's yeah that's very interesting Mm -hmm. thank you for coming on to our it's my absolute pleasure and honor honestly like I never thought in a million years that I'd have a platform to talk about this truly yeah. so I I was saying to Alyssa for for days and days how grateful I was because it genuinely means a lot to me oh, no, um so yeah you. and yeah we're gonna put in all your handles make sure <laughs> everyone knows follow all of that <laughs> shit do you want to give them a little plug do you want to be like yeah. Why not? I, I'm, yeah. I'm not very good at plugs because I find them a bit annoying. But I'm going <laughs> to plug fine. myself because I need to work on my self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I make music and, and visual art and fashion and all of that. Eyes of Bay. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bell on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Eyes of Bell on TikTok. Bell on Spotify. Eyes of Bell on YouTube. You'll love me. I yeah. promise. I'm a queer it's icon. It's really, really good. <laughs> queer <content. laughs> Amazing. Okay, well, yeah. you heard it here first. And bye for now. Bye.